0: Well, it has been the tradition of this church and the tradition of many other Christian churches all across the world to mark the season of Advent with a service called Lessons and Carols, a particular liturgy of the Christian church. And for that liturgy might be familiar for many of us here, it might be brand new for some of us as well. And either way, it's worth us rehashing the significance and the the origins of the Lessons and Carols liturgy. The Festival of Nine Lessons and Carols was first held in England on Christmas Eve in 1880. E.W. Benson, who was the um, bishop there and who eventually became the Archbishop of Canterbury, met with his congregation in a wooden shed that served as his cathedral in the town of Truro. He later wrote about these specific origins of his thought into the uh, festival of nine lessons and carols. He said, my father arranged from ancient sources a little service for Christmas Eve, nine carols and nine tiny lessons, which were read by various officers of the church. As that continued to grow in notoriety and um, passion, eventually King's College in Cambridge would hold what was then and now is still still hailed as one of the most robust and known festivals of the nine carols and lessons. Brown University here in the United States has picked that up and has offered lessons and carols for over 100 years. The BBC over in England has broadcast these lessons every single year except for one, Um, during World War II, since the 1920s. And even during World War II, when the stained glass and the windows were removed from the buildings at, at Cambridge, they met in the cold to worship and to walk through these familiar lessons. And today, millions of people at churches all across the world join together to be on the receiving end of this specific liturgy of worship. The lessons follow the narrative of Christ's birth, from Genesis all the way through the Gospel of John. And today, as we enjoy this time together, as we worship our Lord, and we, are, we may feel compelled um, because of the gifts that God has given the musicians and our chor- choral members, we may feel compelled to, to offer God an applause of gratitude. And we invite you to hold that gratitude until the very end when we will have a chance to, to give God our praise that way together. But as we step into this special liturgy this morning, I invite you to once again Bow your heads as we come before the Lord in prayer. Faithful God, with expectant hearts, we, your people, await Christ's coming. As once he came in humility, so now may he come in glory, that he may make all things perfect in your everlasting kingdom. While we wait, O Lord, send your Spirit so that we may grow in grace. Prepare us for your coming, great God. Amen.
1: Once in Royal David's city Stood a lowly cattle shed Where a mother laid her baby
2: Please be seated. Our first lesson for this morning comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, Well, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, But the serpent deceived me, and I ate So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And to the woman, God said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you.
0: lesson from the prophet Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For you, God, have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with his justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: lesson from Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child will put his hand into a viper's nest. But they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: my love. Them.
0: from the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a de- descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child. and You will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God.
2: from Luke chapter 2. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, Nazareth Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: of Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace on mankind to whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God.
2: from Luke chapter 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, this thing that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. Amazed at what the shepherds had said to them, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The word of the Lord. Excuse be God.
3: In addition to the Lessons and Carols service, as part of that, we are also kicking off our Advent series today, with, which we've entitled Magical, uh, Searching for the Deep Meaning of Christmas. And we'll be journeying with the wise men uh, as they make their way towards Bethlehem. And you can find that text in Matthew chapter 2, and that will be the text that we'll be using for this entire Advent series. Uh, With the fullness of the Lessons in Carol service, we have reduced the time for my remarks down to about 45 minutes, so just hang in there. No, seriously, it'll just be a few minutes, I promise. And I have adapted these comments from a book entitled Moments with the Savior, uh, written by Ken Geyer. It's a delightful devotional book, and and this particular uh, reflection is entitled An Intense Moment in Bethlehem. His birth was the secret of God, whispered among the stars. Only a handful of people even cupped their ears to listen, and they were from Persia, not Palestine. It was odd that the news of a Jewish Messiah was heard by foreigners, astrologers, not priests or rabbis. It's odd that the messenger was not a prophet, but a star hung quietly among millions. It couldn't have been spectacular, If it were, throngs of people would have noticed and asked what it meant. And yet something about this star captured these Eastern astrologers. Maybe it was the unexpected way it rose in the Western sky, or maybe they found in their scrolls the words of Balaam, one of their own countrymen. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. Whatever it was, God spoke with them through this hushed revelation, and beckoned them to follow. They traveled at night when the star was brightest. They traveled in search of a newborn king, not knowing their destination, or what would happen to them en route, or how their lives would be forever changed. Mary, meanwhile, with the young king enthroned in her arms, is reliving the events of the day. The five mile trip to Jerusalem, the consecration of her son at the temple, the glowing words of Simeon as he held Jesus For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. But Simeon spoke other words that day as well dark, foreboding words that gathered on the horizon of Jesus' life like the clouds of a distant storm. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too, he said to Mary. Mary pondered those words as she cradled Jesus in her arms, peering deeply into his brown eyes. So calm a child to cause such a stir, she whispers. The baby stops nursing and smiles back at her. Who could ever speak against such a child, she thinks, as she watches him? Who could stumble over such innocence? Mary ponders the wonder of it all. The promises of God enfleshed in a child. The hope of the world entrusted to an infant. It was all swaddled in such mystery. She wonders, what secret is God keeping with this child? As the wise men reach Jerusalem, the star melts into the morning sky. Surely the holy city would be bursting with the arrival of its new king. Shops would be closed. People would be celebrating. But as the caravan threads its way through the gates, it's just another day. Shopkeepers minding their wares people picking over produce, priests attending the daily tasks of religion. The only thing creating a stir on this day is the presence of these foreigners. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Heads turned sharply at the sound of their words and their thick Persian accent. A stern-looking man steps forward and says, careful of that talk like that around here. The wise men turn to a rabbi and say, We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. But the rabbi scolds him God speaks through scriptures, not through stars. You speak blasphemy. Word of their arrival soon reaches the palace. Herod's ascent to the throne was stained with the blood of his rivals. And when he learns of a new rival, he is troubled and all of Jerusalem is troubled with him. Over the years, the Jews' relationship with the king has been tense, but Herod gave them a temple, and in return they pledged their allegiance. A convenient relationship between synagogue and state, a relationship they needed and didn't want to upset. That's why the words of the wise men troubled them. So Herod gathers his chief priests and scribes, And asks, when your Messiah comes, where will it be? Bethlehem, the religious leaders respond. And they cite chapter and verse, but their search for the Savior ends there. Bethlehem, Herod thinks to himself, city of David, King David. I must eliminate the potential uprising. And so he makes plans to kill all the male children under two all around Bethlehem. Herod begins to question the wise men thoroughly, but he is sly enough to play them. He encourages their quest and sends them on their way. And by nightfall, the star rises once again, as do their hopes. The mysterious messenger leads them southward and stops at the quiet village of Bethlehem, resting over a small house. Their voices hush as they enter the humble space that forms a cathedral for their worship. They greet the holy family with quiet respect. They bow before the baby, murmuring praise as they tremble with joy. And with humble gestures and the fewest of words, they offer their gifts. The wise men then spend the night in Bethlehem, trying and failing to understand it all. Herod was in his palace, and and the heir to the throne is hobbled away in a tumble-down house. In Bethlehem, of all places? And why are we the only ones who came? What secret is God keeping with this child? That night, an angel visits Joseph. He bolts from the bed, heart pounding, eyes wide open. He shakes Mary awake and tells her of his dream. And she bundles up Jesus while Joseph gathers what little food and belongings they have. And thoughts are racing through his mind as he packs Egypt, We have no money to go to Egypt. How are we gonna live? How will a foreigner like me find work? And then he gathers up the gifts of the Magi, the pouch of gold, the costly frankincense, the precious bottle of myrrh, and suddenly he realizes, God not only pointed the way, but provided the way. With the saddlebag of treasure draped over his arm, Joseph opens the door and they tiptoe into the night, telling no one where or why they are going. By dawn, the Holy Family is long gone. For now, they are safe. Jesus has escaped the sword, but Mary will never escape the memories of that night. She will always fear that one day, that sword will find her son and finish the work it started in Bethlehem. As the morning washes over his cheeks, The sleepy Savior wakes and yawns. And the first thing he sees is his mother's eyes filled with tears. He smiles. She smiles back and blinks away her tears. Unable to understand anything but the language of his mother's face. And already Jesus is an enemy of the state. Unable to talk and already targeted for assassination. Unable to crawl and already fleeing for his life. What secret was God keeping with this child? A secret so terrifying, it could scarcely be uttered without causing the heavens to tremble and stars to fall from the sky. The secret? On that starlit night in Bethlehem, God came to earth to do the one thing he could not do in heaven. He came to die. Would you pray with me? Lord, we confess that our hearts can be as indifferent as the chief priests. Forgive us when our relationship with you deteriorates into an academic exercise, when our search for you ends with a Bible verse. Forgive us for these times, Jesus. We confess, too, that there are times when our hearts are like Herod's, tightly grasping our little kingdom's, How much heartache could we avoid if only we would step down from our thrones and and acknowledge you as the rightful king? Thankfully, Lord, there are times when our hearts seek you like the wise men, when we diligently search for you, when we delight at any sign pointing the way, when we are on our knees in your presence. Multiply those times in our lives, Lord. Thank you for stars and dreams and scriptures and the many ways you reveal yourself to us. Give us eyes to see you in the circumstances of life, ears to hear you in the scriptures, feet to find you in the Bethlehems of our world, hands to bring you gifts, knees to bow before you, and hearts overflowing with worship. This is our prayer through Christ. Amen.
0: Friends, in this season of Advent, we are drawn into a posture of anticipation, much in the same way that Rob's words have just done for us. We are also brought into the experiences and the feelings of the players of that original Christmas story. We are drawn to the wonder of what could be the source of that star, just like the Magi had. We are drawn into the expectancy of a pregnant Mary. And Joseph, as they anticipate what the Lord might do through that little baby. And see, all of this is centered on the magical and paradoxical gift of that baby. A little baby who was fully God and one day would fully give himself to lift you and me from our sin and brokenness. We are continued to be given gifts day in and day out by our great God. And one of those is the opportunity to be a part of the good purposes that his spirit is doing in and through our world. And ways that we can do that are by leaning into the model that Jesus offers us with his life, death, and resurrection, to give freely and sacrificially of our time, of our gifts, and our passions that he has given us, and of our finances and the treasures, the things that we clutch most dearly. And so today, as we continue in our worship service through a moment of offering, and I invite the ushers to come forward to receive God's tithes and our offerings, or you choose to give online, I invite you to ask the Lord to come into your heart and through the power of his spirit, illuminate for you the places where you can step more deeply into that season of anticipation and expectation and ask the Lord where he is drawing you today. Let's continue in worship now.
2: Our final lesson comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all people might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born uh, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a parent's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This, my friends, is the wonderful word of God. Thanks be to God.